This is Live Mike with Lee Lonsberry from Utah's Capitol Hill to your schools, taxes, and all the breaking news. Hear it on Live Mike with Lee Lonsberry on KSL News Radio. Hey, welcome to this Tuesday episode of Live Mike, episode number 299. That means, of course, Big 300 coming tomorrow. That's pretty good. Uh, another little milestone. I remember 100. 100 was celebrated. Uh, that was down the street from my guest bedroom. Yep, yep, yep. So 300, uh, you and I will be here face-to-face. You can tune in, uh, see what's going on here in the talk studio. That's by downloading, of course, the KSL News Radio app. It's powered by any hour services and has like a, a like a video feed. Uh, now, don't don't log on just to see my pretty face. But if I'm honest, the this the, this is a pretty cool room. I so, so a lot of us get a little like desensitized to it. The ones who work here in this room, but uh, we got microphones, we got dual screens, we got a big wall of TVs keeping us up to speed on all the new stuff, and uh, this soundboard here where we mix all the mics together. It's neat stuff. It's neat stuff. Have a look. KSL News Radio app. Give that a download. Uh, powered by Any Hour Services. On the docket today, it is a long, long list of of topics to cover. We're going to get through all of them. We're going to start things off with online learning. Uh, just after one o'clock, we'll be joined here on the air by uh, Dr. Anthony Godfrey with the Jordan School District. He's the superintendent there, and Jordan recently announced something uh, that I. It, it took me a while to to comb through the details and really understand and come on board uh, to supporting. But now that I've done so, and uh, and I expect that the the doctor will uh, inform me even further. Three online schools to open into for the 2021-2020 school uh, year. Not sure if they're intended to extend beyond that. We'll find out from the superintendent today. Uh, one elementary school, one middle school, and one high school will be available for Jordan School District students to do all of their learning online. All of it. All of it. They'll have uh, in-person opportunities, right? If there are elements of their education that require some face-to-face instruction, that'll be available to them. Uh, but one of the things that we have learned in the midst of this uh, coronavirus, all of this uh, disruption faced by students and teachers and parents, of course, is that while many, many students uh, have spoken out and said, listen, I, th- this online stuff is just not working for me. I don't feel like I've got accountability here. It's difficult for me to get up and going in the morning. I need some separation between uh, you know, home and where I learn. And uh, on top of all of that, I miss my friends. That that's not everyone. Not everyone. Now that's how I would have probably reacted to this. No way of knowing how. But uh, if I'm guessing, trying to put myself in the shoes of uh, some years ago, I won't tell you exactly how many. But I was in high school once, and to take me out of that setting and throw me in my bedroom with a laptop and say that that's your high school experience, I I, I can't imagine it. I would have craved the interaction. But like I said, not all learning is done that way. Not all students respond that same way. You, you may be one who says, uh, you know what, leave me alone. I set my own schedule. I set my own pace and I'll come out uh, better than I would have if I were you know, sharing a classroom with all my peers. Not everyone's the same. And because of that, and because now with a year, a year's opportunity to analyze and look in on this type of learning, uh, there will be a dedicated option for students, at least in the Jordan School District. That's one topic we're going to cover today. I'm going to look at some global stats in a moment, too, after the commercial break, having to do with the impact on learning across the globe. 
right, as a result of this coronavirus. I, I, I don't get too emotional. You know, you don't hear me, you know, weeping too often here on this program. Uh, I get somber from time to time and angry, but I, you know, as 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 well as I can express emotions, uh, I was I was I was a little choked up this morning as I was combing through uh, some of the global statistics uh, dealing with the educational experience or lack thereof of of children in, say, third world countries, some of the most remote places on the planet. Some of them have simply been ejected from the educational system of their, uh, you know, respective region or country. One and a half billion school children were affected by school closures. One and a half billion school children. There has been no other event in human history to have such a dramatic and severe and swift and prolonged impact on the education of school-age children. And thinking about some of these children uh, who are just ejected from that process altogether, who for the past year have done no, uh, you know, no organized learning whatsoever. Sure, there are lessons from life, life that you can learn. But... That's it. That's what was available to them. We'll get into those details uh, after the break. Uh, Later on in the program, we're going to return to this topic that's been discussed throughout the day here on KSL News Radio, and that is uh, stemming from an op-ed published in the New York Times authored by uh, Utah's junior senator Mitt Romney, the headline, The Right Way to Boycott the Beijing Olympics. The right way to boycott the Beijing Olympics. It's a bit nuanced. And as I have combed through this and looked at it and thought about it and also considered its author, right? We're talking about Senator Mitt Romney, who ran the Olympic and the Paralympic Winter Games right here in the city of Salt Lake in the year 2002. uh, And one who has a particular interest in the relationship between the United States and China. His analysis of this and uh, what he views as the right way to boycott the Beijing Olympics, I, I'll tell you right now, before we even get into the details, uh, I, I'm in agreement. I like his attitude. I like his approach. I like what he suggests. I'll give you the summarized version right now. Number one, it's not to keep the athletes from competing. We send the athletes. They go. The Olympic Games is much larger than any single hosting nation or city. We go compete, all right? We've tried the boycott thing in the past, and, uh, well, we didn't gain much ground there. You you think of uh, Germany's Olympics under Hitler's reign. Some of the imagery that came from that is some of the most powerful and defiant imagery, and it's because we were there competing. But what's the right way to boycott? We send the athletes. Their family members and coaches, of course, uh, attend along with them. But, you know, if you are privileged enough to be one who can afford uh, some international travel, Olympic international travel, when, of course, they jack the prices way up for hotels and food and airfare, uh, the, the invitation from Senator Romney is that you refrain from spending that money. Stay home. Flip on the TV. Watch it from home. Don't. Ship your money to China, where it would aid the Chinese Communist Party, who later on in the program will go through uh, many of the offenses. The offenses that have led uh, Senator Romney to pen this op-ed and arrive at this conclusion that while, yes, we send our athletes, we don't benefit this country at all. 
we don't benefit the, the Chinese Communist Party at all in terms of uh, attention being paid to their propaganda. He makes an invitation to NBC who will cover the games. Uh, don't get trapped in uh, their propaganda efforts. And number two, all of the companies, the, the, the global companies, which have uh, you know headquarters in the United States, an invitation is to refrain from putting too much money into the games uh, in China. Let's keep our money here and send our athletes there. We will communicate by force and we will not embolden with money. We will not strengthen them with money. We will not support what has been so offensive. We'll get into those details later on. We'll also hear from uh, Senator Romney as he joined uh, Tim and Amanda this morning on Utah's Morning News. And we'll also uh, open up the phone lines to you. I'll walk through the details and the framework of this call by Senator Romney and ask you if you agree. Take a break right now. When we come back, we're going to dive back into online learning at the global scale. How has it been for youngsters around the world who have, in the midst of this pandemic, lost the ability to learn? It's on a scale that I never before would have imagined. Details next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Hey, welcome back. 12.50 is the time. We've been talking about online learning. I want to share with you some uh, some kind of global statistics looking at how COVID-19, the pandemic, how it, th- this is just staggering, how it disrupted the educational experience of some 1.5 billion school children across the globe. 1.5 billion school children were affected by school closures. Now, uh, in just a moment, we're going to get a little more uh, specific about you know who and what type of child and where they live, the demographics and the uh, access to opportunity that make up that 1.5 billion. Because, well, if you think about it locally, you know, for the most part, uh, you know, th- these students, you know, have had something of a remedy. Right. There are computers for for most folks. There is there are certainly resources available now. Sure. I know that they don't consider everyone and that there are going to be students who slip through the cracks. There are going to be uh, families who are not as engaged as others. And that may lead to a lack in uh, an educational experience. But what we do know is that elsewhere, elsewhere on the planet, there are youngsters who, when schools shut down, were left without anything. Nothing. There's a a report put out here recently by UNICEF that looks at how uh, countries across the world have grappled their back-to-school plans. 463 million. I mentioned that there are a handful uh, who had who who had no access to some sort of alternative remedy. Once the school closed, that was it. That was the case for 463 million students. Now, we're working, right? We're working at the global level to get okay to get through uh, this. 
We'll find out. I'm sorry. I'm getting some instruction in my ear. I'll, I'll tell you what. We're going to pick back. Uh, the, we're going to pick up this conversation again in just a moment. Uh, we, we do have breaking news that's coming in here in, in just a moment. KSL News Radio's uh, Nick Wyatt is going to join us for an update. N- Nick, are you there? And what are you learning? Yeah, I am, Lee. And what we are learning right now, it is breaking news on KSL News Radio. We've just barely learned that search and rescue crews looking for an overdue hiker have discovered a body in American Fork Canyon. It's unclear right now if the body found is that of 28-year-old Bobby Healy of Saratoga Springs. Healy's been missing since Sunday, and officials say he likely didn't bring adequate gear to stay overnight or camp long-term. Uh, they do say it appears the body found may have uh, died from a, a, a high fall. That's unclear at this moment. We are, of course, working to learn more about this situation. We'll keep you posted right here on KSL News Radio. Back to you, Lee. Nick, excellent. Thanks a lot. Um, as that story develops, as, uh, as family is communicated with and as information emerges from the Utah Department of Public Safety or uh, whichever uh, effort is or whichever jurisdiction has information to reveal, we will bring it to you as soon as it's made available. Uh, but there you have uh, the breaking news. A body found in American Fork Canyon. Uh, officials say it may be that overdue hiker. Uh, you know, that's that. We'll follow it as it develops. Uh, back to back to the topic at hand here, uh, that of the impact globally on on youngsters who have been without schooling. Uh, like I mentioned, the number uh, the number tabulated by by UNICEF. 463 million children who were just 100% without access to anything even resembling remote learning. That's globally. And now when we, when we think about what the road looks like ahead, you have to, you absolutely have to think uh, about what is being missed out on and what that lack of education will do to the future. The repercussions of this, the repercussions of the 1.5 billion school children impacted by school closures, and specifically the 463 million who were without anything even resembling remote learning when their schools closed, will have a ripple effect on the economy and on society for decades to come. For decades to come. And beyond that, I've had a, a few conversations with some pediatricians asking about the the impact on this generation, not just in terms of economy and society, but also in like emotional development, social development. And the smart ones, I've noticed, are saying, I don't know and we're terrified. I don't know and we're terrified. There's no, there's no way to know. There is nothing that has happened like this in the past. And it is, it is, it is startling for researchers to look into the future and not know uh, how, how things will pan out or what the impact will be. Why? Because in that case, you don't know how to prepare. You just don't know how to prepare. 
In just a moment, we will, uh, after the newscast, we'll be joined by the superintendent of the Jordan School District, Dr. Anthony Godfrey. Uh, He's going to be talking to us specifically about three new online schools that will open up within the Jordan School District, an elementary school, a middle school, and a high school. And they will be available for students who opt to stay online after uh, schools open. After, uh, you know, after we return to some semblance of normalcy, uh, there will be an opportunity for those students who, you know, during the course of the school shutdowns and the intense focus on remote learning, some discovered, not all certainly, and not even a majority, but, but many have found that this online learning, the remote learning, the dialing in via Zoom or whatever the video chat functionality is that their school affords them, they've found that being able to learn at their own pace uh, and in their own home and without maybe the distractions of uh, you know joining together with other students in the classroom has been more effective an experience for them, that their grades have been higher, they have felt more productive, that they have felt uh, more control. For some, that's a question of anxiety. Right, I can remember uh, some real anxious students when I was growing up, and some of them opted for homeschooling and uh, getting together with them afterwards. Uh, after you know they had spent some time in a homeschooling setting, uh, just remarkable, remarkable results. I I tried something about a year and a half ago. There is this there's this thing online called EdX, and it's essentially uh, a way to like audit the classes taught by I think it's over a hundred or so universities across the country. They'll make available online via this edX program the coursework. And I thought to myself, you know what? Maybe I'd like to go get some more education. And my life right now kind of requires that I do it on the most uh, you know flexible of terms. And so that sounds like online learning. And so I thought, but I've never experienced anything like that. I went on and I gave edX a shot. And I'll tell you what, I wasn't disciplined enough. I was too easily distracted by myself and I, I just couldn't pull it off. It's not for me, but it is for many. Next up, after the break, we'll be speaking with Dr. Anthony Godfrey of the Jordan School District, superintendent there, about these three new schools opening within the district online learning exclusively. That's next on Live Mike. Hey, welcome to the one o'clock hour here on KSL News Radio. It's Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Welcome back to the program. We've been talking about online learning and more broadly, we've been talking about uh, the dramatic impact that this pandemic has had on on school-aged children across the globe. The estimate from UNICEF, 1.5 billion school children affected by school closures last year. And as uh, time marches on, uh, we are all together learning the ways to uh, get back to learning in the most effective way possible. Some lessons have been learned along the way. We have learned that uh, it turns out <laughs> youngsters learn in uh, any number of different ways. Some of them uh, do not do too well in the remote learning sense, you, you get uh, time away from your friends and you get time away from that face-to-face instruction. And it's, uh, for some, difficult to thrive. I, I, I presume that if I were to go back in time and I were facing what uh, today's school-age children are facing, I, I'd be one who'd try to be getting back into the classroom as soon as possible. But that's not everyone. One thing we have also learned is that many students, 
for many different reasons, find that this remote learning that all were forced into early last year ends up being a very effective way to learn. A very, very effective way to get the grades up, to get your focus dialed in, and to ultimately come away from uh, your educational experience uh, pretty well informed. To that end, the Jordan School District is opening three online schools. Uh, in the 2021-22 school year, there will be uh, an online elementary school, middle school, and high school. Joining us now is the superintendent of the Jordan School District, Dr. Anthony Godfrey. Dr. Godfrey, welcome to the program. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for inviting me. Talk to me about the genesis of this plan. How far back does this go? And uh, and basically, is this uh, is this uh, a result of the pandemic, or were conversations like this uh, happening before even that? We had conversations like this before the pandemic because our goal is to provide as many learning options for students as we possibly can, and the wider the variety of options available the better chance we'll be able to meet the needs of students. And so we talked about this for a long time. And when the pandemic hit, it accelerated online learning in ways that allowed us to innovate at a faster pace. In the spring, we were all forced into pandemic learning. And then this fall, Jordan District offered the option to teachers who wanted to teach online and students who wanted to learn online to enroll in online classes for the year. And uh, secondary students could even choose a partial schedule online. Now, going forward, we want to continue to make that option available. And so we've established these three schools so that virtual options are available K-12 for those teachers who found that was the most effective way for them to teach and those students who found it was the best way for them to learn. That's fascinating. Is the plan for this to uh, continue on indefinitely into the future or is this still a a COVID-specific thing? No, we plan to make this available uh, indefinitely. We think that it's a great way to reach students who have varied needs. And there can be a lot of different reasons that students may be drawn to virtual learning. But we want to to meet those needs um, and, and we want to do it into the future. So we're starting out with seven teachers at the elementary level, eight at the middle school and 12 at the high school. And then we'll hire more as enrollment requires it. You mentioned that there are different types of students that would take advantage of, uh, you know, enrolling in any of these three new schools, depending on their age. Who who are those students? Who are the ones that find uh, this circumstance or this way of learning most attractive? Some students have just found that the pacing works much better for them when they have a level of independence. Our new online schools that started in the fall will offer synchronous and asynchronous options. In other words, students will be able to log in in real time with their teacher, but they can also watch a recording and engage with the teacher and the material on their own schedule and at their own pace. So we've heard from some students who have maybe been frustrated in a class where they felt like the pace didn't match their ability to understand the material. And then there are other students who may have some hesitation with school. We want to be very cautious and have a comprehensive plan for those who may have some anxiety associated with being in school. But able, being able to offer a partial schedule at the secondary level can, can accommodate students in that situation as well. And then in high school in particular, there may be a very specific class that you want to take that conflicts with another class in your schedule. 
now virtual classes can can fill that gap and allow for students to take all of those electives and other courses that they'd like to be enrolled in. So you, the students are able to enroll in, in any of these three new schools in a, in a hybrid fashion where they uh, remain associated with their, you know, the, the traditional high school they, they would attend or, or middle or elementary, but also be participating in, in the remote option? That's right. So at the secondary level, students can engage uh, at their boundary school or the school that they've been permitting to, but then can take some of their classes online in a, in a, virtually in a hybrid manner. But um, they, they can continue to participate in extracurricular activities. They can still be associated with the school. At the elementary level, however, it's either a, a virtual option or an in-person option. Uh, for the time being. And for this year, however, we do have two physical locations. So we have two schools that will be housing classrooms and teachers that will be available to students who are learning online at all levels. So you can still engage with teachers Mm -hmm. that are teaching you virtually through the rest of the week. You mentioned sports and extracurriculars. How how does that work? Folks are able to, or students rather, still able to participate? They're still able to participate because the virtual schools don't offer those sports or activities. They're eligible to participate at their home school. How about the the social element? I you know I, I can really just draw back to my my own experiences. My social experience in high school and uh, and in my younger years was. I mean, th- those are the things that I came away with with the most indelible memories. Uh, sure, I remember the books we read and uh, some of the formulas and some of the chemical equations and all. Uh, but but the friendships that I made, uh, I I always thought was, uh, I always thought of it as a an incredibly important portion of my school aged years. Is that considered, or w- where does that factor into these decisions and what's being offered students? Social-emotional wellness is a really important aspect of what we provide. The social interactions are key to a student's development. And in a traditional in-person brick-and-mortar school, uh, there are a lot of opportunities for that social interaction. But we're also going to carefully structure those virtual classes so that there is interaction among students and that at those in-person locations housed uh, in a northern location in the district and southern location, that students have the ability to interact and to develop those uh, relationships with students, just attacking it in a different way. Outstanding. Uh, We've been speaking with Dr. Anthony Godfrey, superintendent of the Jordan School District. Uh, Sir, grateful to you for uh, your time here. I wish you the best of luck with these uh, three new schools. Can't wait to see uh, how it all plays out. I'm rooting for you. Thanks again. Thanks, Lee. All righty. We'll take a break right now. When we return, uh, we're talking fitness. We're talking about fitness apps. We're talking about watches. We're talking about your phones. How do you track your fitness? And is it necessary? I'll share you with you my experience next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.